Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked and loaded for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we have more news coming out of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association's recent annual meeting in Oklahoma City. Their top staff official, Ross Wilson, announced it's time to slow down a bit. He's going to move toward retirement. We'll have more on that to kick off today's show. Plus, we take a look at inflation and its effect in the cattle business. Randy Block of Cattle Facts was at the Texas Cattle Feeders annual meeting, and he talked a lot about how inflation is affecting all sectors of the cattle business, including the feed yard. We'll have more on that story as well. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The cattle business in the Texas High Plains is in the middle of the fall run. I'm James Hunt, and we'll check in on how things are going on Texas Ag Today. The pace has picked up on winter wheat planting on the Rolling Plains. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Cooler weather and rainfall have arrived in the central Texas Blackland region. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. A staff leadership change is underway at the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. At the organization's annual meeting in Oklahoma City this week, President and CEO Ross Wilson announced he's retiring. It's been a wonderful career. I could not have imagined a better group of people to work for. I grew up on a ranch and farm in the Texas Panhandle. Uh, and, and to see what I've been able to do and help in a small way um, and, and, to, and to work for and with our leaders and our great team and staff at TCFA, I just couldn't have imagined a better career. I truly have been blessed. Wilson had a 37-year career with TCFA. Current Vice President Ben Weinheimer will be stepping up to take the CEO position Wilson says he hopes to stay involved in the beef industry in some capacity after retirement. Inflation is affecting all sectors of our economy, including the cattle business. At the TCFA meeting in Oklahoma City, CattleFax CEO Randy Block told cattle feeders that inflation is here to stay. Oh, I think it's happening. You know, you look out here and you see what's going on with feed grain prices, oil prices, energy prices. Again, the value of energy in our grains is that's part of the driver i think that's the reason that when you look at it relative to the historical supply demand numbers 
corn's about 50 cents a bushel higher than it would typically be given this type of a stocks-to-use ratio. So I think that's the reality of what we'll deal with here for the next several years. Block says that translates into higher cost of gain in the feedlot and higher break-even prices. Another segment of agriculture that's feeling the squeeze is the fertilizer industry. Russell Baining is a beef, cattle, dairy, and row crop producer in South Texas and president of the Texas Farm Bureau. He says fertilizer prices are skyrocketing for Texas farmers and ranchers. Fertilizer prices, you know, what we're hearing, 50% at least increase, uh, up to 85 and 90%, depending on which product you're talking about. It's all over the board, and uh, uh, but definitely significant price increases. And is being caused by a variety of problems. We've heard about all of them. I mean, whether it's weather, whether it's plant shutdowns, sanctions on some of our, our foreign suppliers, rising energy costs in different parts. So I, I think it's just been a, to use the old cliche, it's kind of been a perfect storm of a variety of factors. Baining says when it comes to fertility, you can only cut back so much, and there are very few alternatives. The cattle business here in Texas is right in the middle of the fall run. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. With calves being sold off ranches right now around the Texas High Plains, Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist Jason Smith says he thinks the calf crop that was born back in late winter and early spring has turned out pretty well. For one thing, even though our region is pretty dry at the present time, this batch of calves and their mamas were able to benefit from the springtime rains that produced decent grazing conditions around the region throughout the summer. In terms of the prices they're getting, Dr. Smith believes those with feeder cattle to sell should feel fairly happy. Are they the, the prices that we've received at the very high of the market? No, they're not. And some of those prices I don't think are ever really going to come back around. You know, some of those prices that producers would have seen around 2015. But if you look over the past uh, few years, we're really at towards the top end of the market. Now, one thing that is true during a time when so many calves are getting moved around is that respiratory disease can be an issue for those young animals. Of course, that's something most who are buying the calves are well aware of and prepared to address. Looking ahead into winter, Dr. Smith says it's time for ranchers to think about preventative health programs like vaccinations, deworming, and external parasite control, and certainly to focus on nutrition for their cows to help them recover body condition and get ready for the next calving season. Also, with herd management in mind, when it comes to cows that have not been successful breeders, Dr. Smith points out that cull cow prices are pretty solid right now. Rather than paying to feed those cows throughout the wintertime, knowing that they're not going to produce a calf for us in the spring, now might be the ideal time to replace them in operation. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Winter wheat planting is moving forward on the rolling plains of Texas. Tom Nicoletti goes to the Wichita Falls area for a wheat planting update. It was a slow start during the early part of the fall because of weather issues in the summer. But grain drills are finally working on the rolling plains. To talk more about winter wheat planting, we go to David Grath. He is with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, serving as Wichita County Agricultural Agent. David, how is the wheat planting going in your county up there? Yeah, we're you know we're going pretty well considering that we were really dry, you know, and have and have been really dry. But 
Uh, we lucked out, and we had some producers kind of on the northern and the northwest corner that had some good rain a couple of inches two or three weeks ago, and so that's really helped in. Then we all had pretty general across the county a little over an inch here two nights ago, so that's that's really helped us uh, to to see this uh, crop develop. Approximately what percentage of uh, the wheat crop is uh, in the ground at this point, David? Yeah, I think we're I think we're sitting pretty close, you know, to 75-80%. We've got some that'll uh, they'll go in and plant uh, behind some cotton when they get cotton harvested. October is an optimum month for planting uh, winter wheat in your region of the state, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's uh you know, we have some if they're just going to uh, uh, harvest it for grain. Uh, some of them will wait until November, but uh, a lot of our producers here uh, like to include a wheat pasture cattle as part of their operation. So uh, they'll try and get in, you know, even late September if we if we've got good moisture. But for sure, October. That is David Graff. He is Agricultural Extension Agent for the Texas AgriLife Extension Service in Wichita County. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cooler weather and rainfall have arrived in Central Texas. Dr. Shane McClellan has more from the Central Texas Blacklands. Our current temperatures are much cooler than they have been here recently, but that's somewhat expected for this time of year. In front of our last cold spell was rainfall, and the rain amounts did vary greatly from half an inch all the way up to three inches across our area. We have been on the dry side here lately. Uh, so any any rainfall was welcome. With the temperature drop and the rain, we did have a quick green up of our warm season grasses. Now with that, we could see some increased armyworm numbers. In South Texas, where they've been wetter, there is a, a larger number of armyworms out in some pastures. So I do encourage our small grain and forage growers to be diligent and scout those fields early in the morning and then late in the afternoons. Just just watch to see if you have any armyworm damage. Uh, remember that insecticides that are labeled for armyworm control in range and pasture could be different than what's labeled for small grains. Just check that label. That label is the law. Cotton harvest continues here in Central Texas. Price and yield continue to be promising. Our cotton farmers would really like it to stay dry just to allow them to finish harvesting cotton and retain that higher quality lint. The high quality lint coupled with good yields and good prices will, of course, allow our cotton producers to be profitable, take the best situation. I'm hearing of really good yields out in our area. It's not uncommon to hear of two and three bale dryland cotton. That's really good for us here in Central Texas. Fertilizer prices continue to increase, and they are just gotten so high that if you try to pencil it out, what you would have to charge on a bale of hay to guarantee a profit, then it's very discouraging. So much so that many of our local hay producers are not applying fertilizer here in the fall to get that last cutting of hay. We do have a large volume of hay in our area. Some of it is on the rank side. It's really over mature. Should have cut that hay weeks earlier than it was cut and baled, but we were wet when everybody was cutting a large portion of our hay, so that extended that first cut to later than we wanted it to be. So high-quality hay is in our area, but you're going to have to pay just a little bit more to get that high-quality hay. This is Dr. Shane McClellan reporting from Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. Yoni's disease is a chronic disease in cattle, but there's a new vaccine being developed. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Yoni's disease is a chronic disease in cattle, but Dr. Bob Judd says there's a new vaccine being developed. Bovine veterinarian indicates that scientists from the United States Department of Agriculture have developed a new experimental vaccine to protect cattle from the bacterium that causes Yoni's disease. The Yoni's Information Center at the University of Wisconsin-Madison indicates that Yoni's disease likely migrated to the United States when European settlers brought cattle with them from their native lands in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Dairy producers have battled Yoni's disease for over 100 years, and the disease causes diarrhea, weight loss, decreased milk production, and eventual death. The disease is very common in dairies in this country, as the USDA believes more than two-thirds of the dairies have at least one infected cow, and some herds have an infection rate of 100%. Some cows never show any symptoms, which allows the disease to be silent in the herd and the organism ingested by young calves through the manure, colostrum, and milk. Several Yoni's vaccines have been available, but all generally cause large swellings at the injection sites, and the cattle that were vaccinated shows a false positive on the test for Yoni's disease, and even bovine tuberculosis, which caused a problem with regulatory testing. The new vaccine is based on a novel approach to disabling the bacterial organism by using only a four individual proteins of the organism rather than the entire bacteria. The four proteins are combined in a vaccine cocktail, and a recent study showed that vaccinated calves were immune to the disease for one year after vaccination. No swellings were noted at the injection sites, and vaccinated cows did not show positive reactions for Yoni's disease or tuberculosis. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Goose season opens in just a few days in some areas of Texas. Jessica Domel tells where in today's wildlife report. Light and dark goose hunting season for the East Zone in Texas opens November 6th. And the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department reports there could be better chances for goose hunters this year, at least in some parts of the state. Kevin Cry, Parks and Wildlife's waterfowl program leader, joins us with more. Goose hunting in Texas is as diverse as such a big area, and we're dealing with such different diverse landscapes. It's kind of a piecemeal of a bunch of different stories. I guess the main take-home message that I'm hearing right now is, you know, we're on the heels of two years of researchers and our colleagues not being able to get to the Arctic goose colonies in the high Arctic. So we're missing some information there. You know, we're not able to ban geese. We're not able to get up there and, and look at productivity because birds are coming off the nest and survival like we typically do. But our colleagues in Canada have been very busy each of the last two falls doing what we call productivity surveys, and that's flock scans of white-fronted geese and white geese, essentially getting a proportion of juvenile birds in the flock. 
what we're hearing very tentatively from them and some hunters in that landscape is that it sounds like we might have had a little better half year productivity than we've been seeing the last few years. We're literally on the heels of better part of a decade of very, very poor productivity for Arctic geese. And so it's never a good thing when you're one, your population overall is declining. The birds that are out there are getting older and wiser by the day. There's a little bit of a silver lining there. Hopefully that, you know, we'll get, you know, some young birds into the flock that, you know, make it to Texas. In previous years, we have seen a decline in geese in Texas. Cry said fewer and fewer are making the trek to the Texas coast. Light and dark goose hunting season for the east zone starts November 6th. For the west zone, it starts November 13th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We had a mixed trade in both the cattle and the cotton markets to wrap up the week on Friday. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Do you know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Higher corn prices put pressure on the cattle market on Friday. We ended up lower in both live and feeder cattle thanks to that big run-up in the corn market over the week. December live cattle down $1.05, wrapping up the week at $129.27. The February down $1.52 at $134.22. November feeder cattle down $1.07, $156.57. January feeders down $1.45, $156.12. The March down $1.45 at 157.40. Cash fed cattle market wrapping up the week, two bucks higher. Most of our fed cattle sales at 126 here in the Southern Plains. When you look up north, they sold cattle on a live basis, 127 to 129. Dressed cattle sold at $200. That's $4 higher than the previous week. Boxed beef on Friday was higher, choice up $1.12, 28601, select up $1.60 at 26424. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, you need a glass of iced tea and you need to listen to my friend Wayne Gaswhite, Gillespie Livestock. He sold them on Wednesday. Wayne, how did it go? Well, we ended with a few less cattle. I uh, had a thousand already on the owners last night. Got that good rainstorm went through. Got from a half to an end. Didn't catch but about a hundred head today. He had eleven hundred head total. Cow market is probably a dollar or two cheaper, but he's sure better than I thought he's going to be. Uh, the good cows still bring fifty-five to sixty-five with a few higher sixties. The calf market, right? These cattle are under six hundred. Some of them eight to ten dollars higher. We sold some 500-pound steers up, a bunch of them in the 190s, and a few up over $2. Four weights up to 210, and these really 
Condition Callaway and 300, 350, right. up to 240. Dollars better than what we were talking about earlier. Was the heifer made? You no, know, they were bringing in you know, 130 to 150, weighing four with a few up to 160. And five weights, mostly 135 to 45. Uh, six weights, kind of like they've been, kind of 130. The market was just quite a bit better. A whole lot more action. Maybe if there was a weaker spot, it might have been some of these 700-pound cattle. I uh, didn't quite see as much action on them as we've been seeing. What kind of action are we going to see next week? Let's start with sheep and goats. Sure, we'll have a good run. It's a week before hunting season. You know, if anybody's got any sheep and goats, they'll be selling them. Mm-hmm. Uh, won't be any big runs. I think we lost lots of sheep or lambs, you know, during the, the hard freeze. Just not seeing them come, you know, they're just not out there. Uh, two to 3,000, I imagine it'll be all well yet. And the cattle, you know, I'm sure it's about to try to four. 1400 again. Wayne, tell everybody how to contact you. We're at 830-997-4394. Thank you, Wayne. Neighbor, thanks for joining me at the kitchen table for a glass of iced tea and a livestock market operator report. I'm Larry Marble. You're listening to us on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Where lean hogs finished higher Friday. December was up 87 cents, 76.07. February hogs up a dollar 47, 78.67. Class three milk steady to higher. The nearby October unchanged, 17.85 a hundredweight. November milk up three at 18.58. The cotton market now back at 10-year highs on the nearby December contract. It jumped 112 points Friday to close at 114.85. However, the deferred contracts were lower. March cotton down 61, 111.22. December 22 cotton down 72 points to close the week at 91 cents even. We saw the corn market take off to the upside. Traders thinking that supplies are tighter than USDA is estimating right now. That added 30 cents over the past week to the December contract. It was up five and a half Friday to close at 568 and a quarter. March corn up five, finishing the week at 576 and a quarter. The wheat market closing the week on a lower note. July Kansas City wheat down three and a half, seven seventy-five and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down two and three quarters, seven seventy-five and three quarters. In the energy markets, December natural gas down thirty-one cents Friday, five forty-six. December crude oil up fifty-two at eighty-three thirty-three a barrel. The financial markets slightly lower Friday. The Dow down 15 points at 35,714. The NASDAQ down 11, 15,436. The S&P down 5, 4,590. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.